0: Well, we are continuing in this series in First Peter that we've called Hope. And I, before we get into it, I, I just need to have a, a moment with the, the wives. I need to talk to the wives for a moment. If you were here last week with your husband, uh, you know your husband was given a challenge. I want to find out how did he do. No, no, don't don't raise your hands or anything. How did he? How did he do? I learned that some of our some of our men uh, apparently weren't paying very close attention in the message, which doesn't surprise me i don't always pay very close attention, so I get that but um, i I will repeat the challenge and give you a week of grace, guys, so husbands, your job is to sit down with your wife and without being defensive, without making excuses, without being argumentative, to simply put on your listening cap and I want you to listen and ask your wife. How am I doing? And what are your needs? And let her express what's going on. I have a hunch that if you'll do that successfully once, you might find that you enjoy doing that more. Get beyond just talking about the kids and the car and the weather and so on. Talk about how you're doing together. Yeah, Wives, um, let him ask the question and uh, trust him. Guys, make it safe for her to do that. And I'll ask you next week how he did. Guys, we're on. We are on. Well, we uh, want to talk about how to have a good life. I, I wonder how you're feeling about your life today. Uh, I wonder if you're enjoying life. Do you want to enjoy it? If you're not, uh, I, I think everybody would want a life of good days. I think that seems to me that would be something obvious. I know we go through difficulty and trials, but in the midst of all that, our desire is to have good days. Something I've noticed lately, not just here in Fresno, everywhere I've traveled, um, there's this phrase that I've heard again and again. I confess, for some reason it kind of gets under my skin, but it's the phrase. Anytime I leave a restaurant or a gas station, a, a, a shop of some kind, the employee will usually say, have a good one. Have you noticed that? Have a good one. It is everywhere, and I, I'm sure i said it too, probably. What they mean to say is, have a nice day, which is kind of what you're supposed to say in, in retail. And, and it, it's honestly, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And for those of you under 15, I apologize. You don't know what chalkboards are and what it sounds like to have nails scratching. We have to come up with something as equally annoying as that. But just imagine a terrible sound. Um, and that's... But I, the sentiment is appreciated. Um, because we all want to see good days in our lives. And you can have good days. You can have a good life. But there's a secret to it. And I'm going to talk to you about that secret today. So I want you to think about it this way. Think about the old, the old cliche about the glass half empty and the glass half full. If I pour this cup to 50% water capacity. Approximately. The optimist will say the glass is half full, right? The pessimist will say the glass is. Yes, half empty, right? That's the pessimist and the optimist. But the implication being we would all want a full cup. We like Psalm 23 says, my cup runs over. We want our life to be full to overflowing. That's the desire. That would be what we want. Now, the entitled person Because, you know, the question then is how does it get filled up? And the entitled person says, someone ought to fill my cup. Right? The complainer says, I asked for orange juice. Right? The the selfish person hides their cup because they don't want you to see that they have a cup because then they might be asked to share. But we all want a full cup. How are we going to get a full cup to have a life that is a good life? Well, the righteous, generous, selfless, loving person, the follower of of Jesus Christ that understands a profoundly counterintuitive and upside down truth that the way to a full glass, a blessed life. A life of good days is to actually pour out your cup for the benefit of others. Doesn't make sense. You can't do that with real water. If I pour out the cup, It's empty. But in the Christ life, it's by emptying out your life for the benefit of others, by speaking life and doing right. That's the secret. So we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. If you're new to the Bible, it's quite a far way to the right side of your Bible. And uh, you can follow along on your uh, Bible app if you don't have a Bible with you uh, as you silence your cell phone or mobile device. You can also check in on Facebook, let your friends know where you are. And, uh, we're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter 3. We read from the New Living Translation here at Bethany. And I can help you, uh, find a, a good Bible if you're kind of at a place where like, I, I wanna get a, like a paper Bible in my hands. I can help you with that. Let's stand together out of respect for God's Word. As we read 1 Peter chapter 3, we're reading from verses 8 through 12. Peter writes this, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do and He will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil, and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Let's be seated together. We thank the Lord for his word today. Well, this section of First Peter and in stretching back to the middle of chapter 2 where we were a few weeks ago. Has been written, has been building into us, uh, you, you know, a guidance for our public and our private relationships in, in a way that the unsaved, or for the purpose of the unsaved, the unbeliever in Jesus, coming to faith in Christ Jesus. So, the, 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 the marvel of scripture is that we're, the truth of your salvation is that you're not saved exclusively for your own benefit. Your salvation is for the benefit of others, for others to know him. Uh, so as an individual, you're here for others. As a church, we're here for the community. I just I just love how that alpha uh, video promo video put it. Here's a church that gets it, that that we live in a culture that's not really looking for a church life. But there people have a spiritual desire. And so that Elf, of course is structured to allow people to Invite a friend into the life of following Jesus without expecting them to just to walk through the doors of a church. It's hard. It's hard to do that. And we are not here for the benefit of ourselves. Sometimes it feels like we love, we show up, we talk to all the same people, we have, we just kind of catch up from the week and we don't really want to talk to strangers because that's hard and uncomfortable and so we're just like, oh yeah, we love it, you know. Um, but, but we're not here primarily for that, for ourselves. Our primary purpose is to be a blessing yeah, to each other, but especially to the world around us. Now, to make this as practical, I want you to pause. Just put put pause on for a moment. And I, and I want you to think about a person in your life. And I want you not just think of the name. I want you to think of the face of a person in your life. It might be a neighbor, co-worker, uh, a family member who does not know Jesus. And your desire is for them to come to faith in Christ. I want you to just think about that person for a moment. Okay, you got it? Got that person? Your ministry is to bless that person for the purpose of them coming to Christ. I'm not talking about being disingenuous. I'm not somehow manipulating or using, you know, the gospel to try to get to people. I'm saying you are to be a genuine blessing to that person for the purpose of them coming to Christ. Can you see it? Can you see them coming to faith? See, one of the ways that's going to happen, uh, is told as peter's telling us is that when they see the life of Christ reflected in you and reflected in his church uh, like like the guy said uh, on that video people aren 't you know rejecting you know truth they, they just they just reject the version of Christianity that they 've seen they 're not rejecting necessarily truth but It's up to us to reflect the life of of Christ, whether as individuals, as a church, and not always the easiest thing to do. But getting back to where we started, verse 8 there with Peter saying, finally, all of you should be of one mind, like-minded. What does that mean? You know, that's going to take some reasoning together, some conversation together, some wrestling through things together to get us on the same page. It means we talk about more than just like the weather and You know where we went on vacation, and means that like we actually have to grapple with things that we're not on the same page on. How are we going to get on the same page as as people, as God's people, about important things? Knowing that of course we have lots of differences, but there's reasoning together. Then he says, sympathize with each other. You know that means there's emotions involved. Sympathize means to, to to bring our. Our pathos, our feelings together and to say, if I'm going to sympathize with you, I need to know what that you have emotions and that you have feelings about something. You have some passion about something. And our job is to say, let's sympathize, to feel what you feel, to 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 carry what you carry with you. He says to to love each other as brothers and sisters. You don't know love is love is a sacrifice. Love means to to prefer to give preference to what you want over what I want. That's what it means to love someone. And we're to love one another. To say, I'm going I'm to do what, what's better for others than what's best for myself. Hard to do. Be tender-hearted. Be tender-hearted. What does that mean? It means we're going to be patient. We're going to be patient enough so that we don't become hard-hearted when, when things don't go our way or when it's been difficult. Or we don't like how things are going. We're going to be tender-hearted. We're going to be patient. And we're going to keep a humble attitude, he says. And that takes Forgiveness. You cannot be unforgiving and humble at the same time. So a humble attitude means I forgive, I release. And why would we do any of that? Why would any of that matter? Because Jesus did it. Because Jesus did it. Because, But Jesus invites us to have the mind of Christ, to get on the same page with Him. Because Jesus... Sympathize with uh, with us. He understands what we're experiencing. He's been tempted in the ways that you've been tempted. He knows what you're going through. He sympathizes with your struggles. Jesus loves you. He made the sacrifices of his very own life. He left all the splendor of heaven, all the 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 abundance of that what was his in, in God's presence, and gave all that up for you because he loves you. Right? He. He's tender hearted. Jesus is patient with you. He's tender hearted. He's not hard hearted toward you. And when you mess up, when I mess up, we come to him. Jesus, I blew it again. He doesn't say, I'm so done with you. He doesn't do that. He says, I have forgiven you. My grace is sufficient for you. There you find mercy in the time of need. And and Jesus is humble. Jesus, who should have been the one to get all the praise and all the glory, was the one getting all the insults and all the mocking and, and all the torture. Why? So that you could experience his life. He took it all on Himself for your benefit and for the benefit of people. Even going so far as to say to His his tormentors, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that's that's why we're invited to that same thing because that's what Jesus did. Now, this kind of life, this kind of experiences takes some honest emotion and some personal transparency. Things that some of us Many of us probably find very difficult to reveal it's not easy to kind of let other people know what's going on on the inside cuz some of it's not pretty some of it's fragile but it takes some honesty we cannot be stubborn or proud or selfish or rebellious and at the same time be sympathetic and loving and humble those things clash they don't go together It requires genuine honesty and authenticity to do that. and You've got to find places to do that. Now, not that every person around you needs to know your every struggle. You know, you don't you know, you don't want to hear all the hard things that everybody's going through all the time. That's that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. But you need to have some relationship or relationships in the body of Christ in in amongst God's people. You need others, faithful people where you can take a relationship, you know, become you know, beyond the sorry, yes, I'm fine, brother, praise the Lord, how about you? You've gotta have those places. And it most likely happens in a small group setting, probably not in a class, not in a big group like this, but in a smaller group setting where two or three or five or twelve of you can have that place where you're like, get a little more real. That's the only way you're gonna to get to those things of one mind, sympathizing with each other, loving each other, tender hearted, humble attitude. right, so what's Peter really getting to with all this is about being a blessing to others, elevating the people around you. C.S. Lewis is credited with a quote that actually surprisingly belongs to Rick Warren. I know say surprising because C.S. Lewis was like he died like 53 years ago. And then Rick Warren is like actively right now. But it was Rick Warren who said humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. All right. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. That's a good quote. That's helpful. That's a, that's a good way to think about humility. And to, to do that, to do that means I need to relinquish my right to be right. Letting go of my need for things to always go my way. We could, if you're taking notes and you're, you have your program insert today, the first one is this. You, you could say it this way, that being a blessing is more important than being right. Being a blessing is more important than being right. I met with an acquaintance this week who, uh, was telling me how he had, he's been, uh, honestly really badly treated by his Christian employer and, um, it was, it was terribly disappointing to, to hear how that had gone down and, He mentioned to me that he'd been approached by an employment attorney, who's told him he, you know, he'd have a really strong case if he would take it to court, and he was wrestling not whether he should do that. And I was reminded of of something the apostle Paul said on these matters. First Corinthians chapter six, Paul's chastising people for suing each other as Christians, and one thing he said in First Corinthians six verse seven, he says, "To have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you." Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? That is such a countercultural message right now that nothing in me like wants to embrace that. Yeah, you should just kind of let yourself be wrong. You should just kind of accept that you've been cheated and move on i that that does not kind of in my gut like i don't I don't like that I don't want to hear that. But Paul is saying the same thing that Peter's is saying is that. Being a blessing is more important than being right. But, but why would you do that? Why would you just let it go? Why would you just release it? Why not argue with people who are obviously, to you, wrong? Right? Why not get people to see your point of view, get them to apologize, get them to come around? Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Well, because it doesn't really matter. Jesus is the ultimate judge. He will settle things. And so for now, it's simply unimportant. What is important is to be a blessing, to be in unity and purpose and vision together to be any of the things that Peter mentions, especially in verse eight, is a deliberate choice. Again, here's the word forgive. It's a deliberate choice to forgive and release and then trust God to handle it. Because there's a there's a couple bad things that happen if we refuse to overlook these wrongs and if we refuse to release these failures from, that other people have kind of committed against us, two possible outcomes. One is broken relationships. Okay, so think about, think about a car with a flat tire. You have a car, you have gas in the tank, you have an engine, you have four tires, everything's fine, but you're stuck on the side of the road. Why? Because you have a, there's something broken. You have a flat tire. Broken relationships keep you from moving forward emotionally. Spiritually, relationally, and all those things. Broken relationships hold the church back, because we're not free then to proclaim God's gospel of reconciliation. Broken relationships hold, hold that, hold, you know, our, our whole gospel and the church and, and, and the movement of Christ back. So you have broken relationships, or you have no relationships, right? Where we just pretend that everything's fine, but under the surface now, there's turmoil, And there's anger and there's division. There's animosity. But on the surface, we keep it fine. Well, that means there's no relationship. Being a blessing is more important than being right. And let me just tell you right now, if anybody tells you it's possible to have a relationship where there's never any conflict, never any strife, never any hardship, it doesn't know what a relationship is. That's a lie relationships will have good relationships will take work and we'll have times when we, there's some like sandpaper where we have conflict where we don't see everything the same and where we have to work at getting on the same page of being like-minded and humble together being a blessing is more important than being right now there are times when we do get mistreated and we see that in in verse 9 and for that we get to retaliate which is great but you're going to be a little disappointed with the kind of retaliation we're talking about. Peter wrote this in verse 9. Uh, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will bless you for it. You know, we're so close to getting some payback. So close. Pay them back with a blessing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. When people speak ill of you or treat you wrong, as a believer, you get to retaliate with an opposite response. You bless them. If you're taking notes, it's this way. You can retaliate God's way. Retaliate God's way. Now, this is not limited to big offenses or big problems only. Yes, it stings when someone does something really hurtful, insulting, right That is what Peter's talking about, but this works even with the little stuff in life. You know, for example I, I've often mentioned how easy it is, and we talked I talked to somebody about this in the in the break how easy it is, especially for guys, and especially for me i I'm terrible about this, but we just love to dig at each other with good natured you know insults. Well-intended, it's meant to build some camaraderie, a little trash talking, right? But um, it's it's not helpful. Everyone sort of laughs and moves on. But the blessing comes when you don't respond in kind. When you heap on compliments in return for criticisms, even if it's like, "Man, you are the best at at, at witty insults." I gotta hand it to you. Um, whatever you need to do to return a blessing. Insult that's the kind of retaliation we're talking And of course, this is hardest at home. I was sharing the 930 service. I almost hate preaching on this stuff because without fail, without a doubt, as I'm preparing for this, I'll have like a brutal week of like committing all these offenses at home. And then I got to stand in front of my family and all of you and preach about it. Because this is the real deal. This stuff really happens, you know. And so with children or your parents or your spouse, um, you know, they... These people who love you the most should hurt you the least, right? But that's why it's so painful when you get a stinging insult from one of them because you love them and they love you and you think this shouldn't happen. And and you're tempted to just respond in the same way and worse. And it's hard to let it go. But I wonder if we can, can we really do this? Can we be people who respond to mistreatment with blessings, there's the, the word that's translated blessing really comes from really means if you're to kind of like take it apart and get into the original things about it means to speak a good word, a good word spoken. That's what a blessing is to speak a good word. To speak a good word to someone, over someone, about someone, for someone, you can do it in prayer. You can do it behind their back when when they're not listening. You can do it to their face in person. You can do it in a letter, or an email, or a text message, or Instagram, or Snapchat, Facebook, whatever, LinkedIn. Some of you know why that would be funny. LinkedIn is about as effective, I think, as... Uh, what was the one before Facebook? MySpace. Anybody sell the MySpace? Okay. Well, probably rolled up with your AOL account. But anyway... Um, I don't know why I go on those little rabbit trails. It's not helpful to anybody. There is, uh, the question is, who in your life needs a blessing? Right? There's a well-loved verse in Proverbs chapter 18, I think it's verse 21, that says, the tongue can bring death or life. Another translation says it this way, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. See, the most powerful person is not the one who holds out for the apology, or holds out for justice in some way. That is not a powerful person. It's actually a weak person. The most powerful person is the one who can let go of injustice and be a blessing even when it's not fair. Probably the, the strongest example of this would be, you know, believers in, in other countries where they're persecuted for their faith, they're imprisoned, they're tortured. And, and rather than holding on to anger and vengeance, they forgive their captors and tormentors. That's a strong person. That's a strong, strong person to to let it go even when it's not fair. So how about using your tongue, your words, to be a life-giving blessing today? To retaliate to insults with blessings? From there, verse 9, he moves on to verse 10 where Peter's quoting Psalm 34 to reinforce his whole message. And for anyone who's ever wondered if it's actually possible to have a good life it is, and, and it's, it's, it's packed in here. Uh, verse 10, he says this. The scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many days, or another translation, whosoever would love life and see good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. In the eyes of the Lord, watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. Listen, it's on you and it's on me. If we want to enjoy life. And if we want to see many happy days. It's on you and me. So you don't sit back passively and wait for good things to come your way. You don't just sit back and wait for someone else to take care of it. It's on you and it's on me. Maybe you're single. And, uh, and you think, you know, if only I had a boyfriend or girlfriend or you know, spouse, you know, then, then I would be happy and then I would have good days. Or maybe you're thinking, well, if only I'd get a raise, then I'd be happy. Right? Or if only my kids would, would, would talk to me, then I'd be happy. Or if only I was healthier, then, then I would have good days. And any other number of if-onlys, that's not helpful. Here's the secret. Your happiness is on your lips and in your hands. If you're following in your outline, that's your third one there. Your happiness is on your lips and in your hands. What's the secret? Speak well and do right. You may have heard the story of Louis Zamperini. Zamperini was a 1936 Olympian. He was a runner for the United States. He had the promise of true athletic greatness. And then World War II called. And he served in the Air Force as a as a bombardier And his his plane went down in the Pacific in May of 1943. There were a few survivors, but two of them survived. Louis and another guy survived at sea on a life raft for 46 days uh, amidst sharks and 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 strafing runs and all kinds of things. Only finally to be captured by the Japanese, then imprisoned and treated brutally by his captors for over two years. Uh, the book uh, and movie Unbroken recount Zamperini's, you know, phenomenal strength and resilience. I got in trouble with somebody because I said I haven't read the book. I thought watching the movie was good enough, but I'm told the movie doesn't compare with the book. Can you believe it? Um, and what the movie doesn't tell you is that Zamparini came to faith in Christ through the ministry of the evangelist Billy Graham. And that he himself became... Quite an effective evangelism. And by God's grace, somehow, uh, Zamperini was, was able to forgive his captors, even going back to Japan to try to do so face to face. The worst one would, you know, refuse to meet him. But other guys, he met them and, and forgave them. The rest of the story is going to be told that Billy Graham Association is, is creating or has created a movie called Captured by Grace. It's kind of his story after all those things. Phenomenal, phenomenal experience. I mean, here's a guy who had every reason to be bitter and vengeful and wrong. I mean, bitter and vengeful and, and, and unforgiving after all the ways he'd been wronged, and instead found happiness. Why? How? By speaking life and by doing right. Look, your happiness is here and here. I want you to say it with me. My happiness is here. Point to your lips. Is here. And here, your happiness is on your lips and in your hands. Do it with me again. My happiness is here and here. One more time. My happiness is here and here. Some nice jazz hands there. Come on, we can do that, right? Because it's in your power. If you would love life and if you would see good days, it is in your power. By speaking life and by doing right. To to experience that, not because it serves your needs, but because it serves the needs of others. And as Peter says, you're blessed when you're a blessing. And it's an active instruction, not a passive one, as we we said, not waiting for things to go your way. So how do you do this? I want to say three ways that you can speak well. One is you can speak up. Two is you can speak out. Third is you can speak in. You can speak up, speak out and speak in. To speak up for others. To speak up, you know, truth. And to, to, to not ignore the needs of other people, but to speak up on their behalf, speaking up for their peace and for their benefit. And this includes speaking up to God as you pray for the people around you, the people you work with, the people you, you go to school with, the people in your family. Even the person who causes trouble in your life, you pray for them, you speak up to God and you speak out, you speak out the truth of the gospel. Don't be argumentative, but don't stay silent either about the good news. Be ready to tell your story, your experience of how God's helped you or saved you, provided for you, led you, moved in your life. You speak up and you speak out and you speak in. And that's to yourself, mostly to remind yourself to stay humble, to stay forgiving, to stay loving, right? To stay, to, to stay of like mind with other believers, to stay on track with this stuff. You speak up and you speak out and you speak in. And I do not think there's a single person in this room that really wants a miserable life. I hope not. I I think you want to enjoy life and have many happy days. But that doesn't come by simply changing your circumstances or making more money or getting apologies or losing weight or having better vacations or finding the cure to cancer. That's not where happiness is found. The secret, say it with me, is here and here. It's on your lips and in your hands. And as you speak what's life giving to others, you will find God blesses you in return. It's amazing. As you do what's good and peacemaking, God establishes peace in your own life, even in the midst, even in the midst of those hard circumstances that that are stubborn and don't seem to want to go away. And when this is the best part around when you are a blessing, people want you around you know that when you're a blessing, people want you around. And in that way, God's favor flows away. Don't you want to be the kind of person who like, oh, I'm glad that person just showed up. I do not want to be. I was sharing with the 930 service. I do not want to be that guy at my funeral. where People are like, oh, glad he's gone. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Right? I want to be like, oh, you know, we kind of miss him. That, I'd be good with that. We, we want to be a blessing to the people around us. And as you do that, God's favor flows Back to you because it's the promise. You'll be blessed as you're a blessing to others. So just keep in mind being a blessing is more important than being right, right? You can get back at people. You can retaliate God's way by returning a blessing for insults. And that just to remember your happiness is on your lips and in your hands as you speak up for others and you speak out for truth and you speak in to stay humble. Church, we do all these things because Jesus did these things. We do all these things because Jesus did these things. Jesus laid down his life for you. Exchanged his life for your life. He willingly took on all the garbage, all your sin, all the insults, all the pain, all the disappointment. Jesus willingly took all that, took it to the cross, and then said he offers to exchange his life for yours so that you no longer need to fear death, you no longer need to fear the future, you don't need to fear the past because Jesus has Solved all that for you if you will personally choose to trust in Him. Love to help you with that today if that's, uh, if you're ready to make that commitment to Christ. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer? God, we are, um, just grateful as we are every week for your word for that you've preserved this for us and for our benefit. And we just say we, we want to be a blessing to the people around us. Lord, not one of us has has lived a perfect life and not one of us has gone without experiencing some kind of insult or hardship toward us. And God, we don't want to hold on to those things. We don't want to try to get vengeance on those things. We want to return those hard things with a blessing. We We want to pour peace into situations. We want to pour your favor over people. And God, we just ask that you would use us to do that. Even today, even this week, and Lord, those places where it's just it feels too hard to do that, we just I just ask for more of Your grace, just more of Your grace. And Lord, for the person maybe here today just says, I I don't think I I don't think I want to do that. God, will You just speak to them? How just awesome it is to to flow in Your uh, grace and to and to re- receive Your blessing in return. We just love You, Lord. We thank You for Your great love for us. We pray Your um, this hand would guide us in those relationships this week where we most need to be and most can be a blessing. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.